everyone, Anne-Louise Gittleman here. I am the host of First Lady of Nutrition podcast, where we bring you the most exciting and the most innovative guests in the field of health, healing, nutrition, wellness, and functional medicine. And you know, my friends, every now and again, there comes along a true trailblazing health warrior for whom the mantle of visionary truly applies. And today's First Lady of Nutrition guest is one of those individuals. So I want to introduce to you Dr. Christiane Northrup, who's a visionary pioneer in women's health. She's the author of multiple New York Times bestsellers and is here to introduce her latest release, The Wisdom of Menopause. Welcome, Dr. Christiane Northrup, my visionary pioneer friend in women's health, an extraordinary woman and a voice that we all need to hear. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you very much. And now my question to you is, what is new with the wisdom of menopause? You're going to be re-releasing an updated, a bounding book. And that's the question. That's the big question. What's new in the world of menopause? Well, here's what's great about it. You know, when I, the first edition came out in 2001, the, I think the Women's Health Initiative had not yet been shut down. So if you remember back to that, and many of your listeners that may, may or may not remember but I came out as a proponent of bioidentical hormones in the 90s. And then I was on Oprah with Suzanne Summers and me. And I said in the first edition of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, that we were using the wrong hormone. This was in the huge Women's Health Initiative that the government and Wyeth Ayers, the, mem- the makers of Primarin, were both supporting to show that getting on hormones decreased your risk of heart disease and heart disease being the number one killer of women. If we could show a decrease in heart disease from hormone replacement, then the feeling was we'd get everyone on hormone replacement and women would have their their hearts preserved, their cardiovascular system. But what happened was in 2002, they suddenly stopped the Women's Health Initiative because women were getting strokes, blood clots, and they realized that there was more problems with the hormones they were using than uh, than if they were not on anything. So they stopped the study abruptly. And from that moment, think about it, from 2002 onward, we have been trying to come up with the holy grail for women's hormones and what to do around menopause, after menopause and so on. And so what what my book does, The Wisdom of Menopause, is it takes that conversation, I will absolutely give you advice and science about what to do, but not everyone needs to be on hormones. If you are on hormones, it's best to have them matching what God made in your own body. That's what bioidentical refers to. By the way, the FDA is now trying to land on the formulary pharmacies. You know, anything that's natural and cannot be patented is under attack by big pharma. So hormones are no exception. So what's, what is good about this book is I've updated the stuff about soy, uh, mammograms, what the menopausal transition is really, really about. 
what to do for heart health, um, making peace with changing skin, um, what's good skincare, how to prevent osteoporosis, osteoporosis being scurvy of the bones, all kinds of stuff on vitamin D, breast health, uh, the brain, you know, all the things that women are afraid about. Oh my God, I'm going to get Alzheimer's. You don't need to. The right foods and supplements, the, the right diet. But truly, the thread running through the whole thing is that the midlife transition is a reboot for your life and it's a rebirth. And right now at this very moment on the planet, the entire planet is going through a rebirth. So if a woman's going through perimenopause at this point, it's like she's got to double the energy of self-reclamation and self-reinvention because that's what menopause is about. And you and I both know because we've been on the front lines of this for many, many years that um, all of the chronic degenerative diseases that women uh, suffer from tend to ramp up at midlife so that we say after the age of 50, then you need yearly mammograms and you need colonoscopies and you need all this health screening. And the truth is you do not need to have your second half of life be so medicalized. So the and book I, is- And I, I, agree, I agree with everything, every single thing you said. Could you repeat though, the problem with the 2002 Women's Initiative, it was abruptly halted. Were they using the wrong hormone therapy, Dr. Northrop? Is that- in my, in my opinion, they were, and thank you for bringing us back to that. They were using for everybody, Prempro. That's Premarin made from the urine of pregnant horses. And, and it's inter interesting to know they've never been able to create a generic Premarin because you can't recreate the urine of a pregnant horse. And it's interesting that they could patent that, right? Mm -hmm. If it's from the blood or urine of a pregnant horse, they can patent that. Um, and then they combined it with Provera, medroxyprogesterone acetate, a synthetic progestin. It's not anything like the body's own natural progesterone. So they were using the same dose in everybody, pretty much. And there was an arm of the study. I remember talking to Lila Noctigill years ago, and there was an arm of the study using bioidentical progesterone. We didn't hear much about that. No. But it's, yeah, they stopped the study because women were getting strokes and heart attacks. So the very thing that they were hoping to prevent um, had, was made worse. Women did do better with their bones. Um, they did not do as well with uh, dementia. And since that time, at least medicine is focusing on individualizing the approach. The problem is, for most women, it is a drug approach. The average 65-year-old in the United States is on six prescription drugs. Oh and there's no need for this. Uh, so you, you need to know how to keep your bones healthy. You, you need to know how to uh, prevent a hardening of the arteries through the oxidation of LDL cholesterol. You know, it is not high cholesterol that causes heart attack. 
it is oxidized LDL and also having high triglycerides, which you know, come from uh, eating foods that become blood sugar immediately. So I, I recognize and I salute and I celebrate everything that you've written about in the new wisdom of menopause. The wisdom, what the exact title of the book is the wisdom of menopause. Is it considered the new wisdom of menopause, your book, or it's simply an updated and revised edition of a mega bestseller? Yeah, it's, it's updated and revised. Yeah, so this is the newly revised and updated. It's the fourth one. And quite frankly, I will not be doing it again. <laughs> so this is the one that everybody has to go and buy and it's gonna be released May 11th. So everybody has to go out immediately and get it on Amazon, et cetera. So my question to you is from this particular women's initiative, didn't we learn about the estrogen window? Is there such a thing as an estrogen window, the exact right time when you should be taking extra estrogen? I don't think so. Very good. Very good answer. I really don't think so. But heaven knows they are trying, you know, like way back in the day when I was married to an orthopedic surgeon, the one thing that we had in common, medically speaking, was osteoporosis. And so way back in the 70s, my mother's best friend was on Primarin and developed uterine cancer, endometrial cancer, which was happening to many women because when um, Dr. Wilson wrote the, the book, um, Feminine Forever, right? Oh, Robert yes. Wilson, Feminine Forever. I got to tell you, I remember being on a library ladder in a medical library in Claremont, Claremont, Vermont, it, some, some little town in Vermont where I was doing uh, a clinical rotation in medical school. And I came across Robert O. Williams' Feminine Forever. And he basically said all women needed to be on estrogen. It was the fountain of youth. It would keep them feminine forever. I later learned that I think Robert O. Wilson got divorced when his wife went through menopause because <laughs> what happens when, when women go through menopause is all of the pent-up need for justice and equality and uh, having their own soul path recognized, that all comes to the surface. And that has nothing to do with hormone levels. What, what he was trying to do is, you know, just keep everyone calm. I mean, I, I remember meeting another giant of, uh, of OBGYN, then uh, Emmanuel Friedman, who created the Friedman labor curves. Mm. And I later learned some things about women. Someone very close to him said, I've never met a man who hated women more than this guy. Mm. Um, I'm sure he's no longer with us, so I can speak freely. Um, but anyhow, if ever since that women's health initiative stopped so abruptly, so women were cold turkey, they were off their stuff. And it was really a very difficult time because women were kind of looking and still are, unfortunately, looking to the medical authorities to tell them what to do without realizing that when you follow the money, you're going to find out that this is all being run by a system that just wants to keep you on a prescription drug for your whole life. So they're trying to come up with the, you know, the magic bullet. Well, here's the thing. Every woman is different. And 
back when I went through menopause, I remember trying, you know, bioidentical hormones and they didn't make any difference. And I tried various herbs and they didn't make much difference. Cause here's the thing. If your adrenals are in good shape and working well, and you have your ovaries, there's a very unique relationship between the adrenal glands and the ovaries. Uh, you can very often go through menopause with you know, maybe some women's herbs like Peraria morifica. I studied that one very extensively, went to Thailand to see where it was grown, started a little company to get that stuff to women because it was so helpful. So I have a big section on that. But again, there are women who go through menopause, maybe do some acupuncture for a while. Uh, you're, liter you're literally moving from alternating currents of wisdom with FSH and LH in the brain to direct currents of wisdom so that your FSH and LH, follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, are at the same level as a woman who's ovulating. This is after menopause for the rest of your life. Now, that's a very cool thing mm. because it means that that, that peak of uh, that brain power that opens you up to the ideas of others, to your own creativity and so on, is there in your body for the rest of your life. Now, has that ever been studied? No, it's my own theory, but it has been borne out by hundreds and hundreds of women. So what are the best sources? And you talk about this Thai vine that you heavily promote, which I'm very much in favor of. Talk to me a little bit about that and whether that's a good source of estrogen for most women going through premenopause, menopause and beyond. Well, here's the thing. It is a uh, phytoestrogen. Let's spend a little time on that because that's very confusing for most people because women are told no estrogen, you know, your mother had breast cancer. You can't do that. This is going to cause, you know, on a post estrogen. Well, when you understand a phytoestrogen, that is a plant sterol. It's not a mammalian steroid and they are completely different though in the naturopathic language, they would call a plant sterile an adaptogen. They bind to the beta estrogen receptor in the body. So that's in the breast, it's in the uterus, it's in the skin, it's in the brain, it's in, you know all over the place. We have estrogen receptors all over the place. Mammalian estrogen binds to the alpha estrogen receptor and that acts as a growth hormone. So indeed, when you put a woman on mammalian estrogen, it will cause cell proliferation, which is why all those women got endometrial cancer who were on unopposed estrogen back in the 70s. Then what we did to get around that was to add a synthetic progestin, mm. generally uh, Provera, that would be like a vacuum cleaner. So you're on your progesterone and then uh, your estrogen, and then you take the progesterone uh, for 10 days every month in order to counteract, I, I call it the waxy buildup. And it's interesting, there's um, Suzanne Summers always talks about the Wiley protocol. And that is that women should have their hormones at the level of a 20 year old for their whole life. So mm. she had 80 year olds having a period. And I just, um, that doesn't appeal to me. I'd rather follow nature because after after menopause, your hormones go back to the level that they were pre-adolescence. It doesn't mean you don't have estrogen. It means that it's lower. 
So the plant estrogen, what it does when you have estrogen dominance, like too much estrogen relative to progesterone, because you're not ovulating, you're, you're following a high glycemic diet, your insulin levels are up and so on. And we know that in the face of high blood sugar, high insulin levels and high stress hormones, estrogen literally gets made into a catechol estrogen. It gets made into a stress hormone, which is why people feel so awful with estrogen dominance, and then they get metabolic syndrome and all of that. What the Prairie Murphica does, or other herbs like black cohosh, they sit on the beta estrogen receptor and protect the body from excess stimulation by estrogen. And then if you don't have enough estrogen, then they have an estrogenic effect on estrogen sensitive tissues, but without proliferation. In other words, we've never had a, study, a single case of a woman developing endometrial cancer on an herb. However, now I say this um, because what I want women to know, many, many women are having uh, two glasses of wine a night. Mm -hmm. Have absolute solid evidence that that increases your risk of breast cancer. So I will never come out and say to a woman, oh, you know, take this, you'll never get breast cancer. It will protect you because I don't know what else she's doing. Like if she's in a loveless marriage, if she's in love with the back walking away, if she's married to some freaking narcissist, <laughs> that's a risk for breast cancer. Having two glasses of wine is a risk for breast cancer, especially if you're using the alcohol to soothe pain in some way, you see, mm, mm. some heartache, right? Yeah. Mm. So I have read that you believe that we should be celebrating what goes right in a woman's body, but so many women feel betrayed by the modern day environment and they think of menopause as a new nightmare. So how do you get around that? And what do we do to avoid women feeling betrayed by their bodies in an increasingly toxic environment? Uh, first of all, to realize what are the powers that be that are behind the narrative. <laughs> this is important. You, you want to know what's driving that, what sources of information would, and by the way, what we're talking about here is centuries old, you know, Nine million women who were healers and midwives were burned as witches in the Middle Ages. So there is this, uh, this kind of morphogenic field around women's wisdom. Now in many shamanic traditions, when a woman goes through menopause and retains her sacred blood, then she can take on the full offices of the shaman. And she can't before that when she's in her bleeding time. So what you have to do is begin to pay attention to all the things about your life in this, in this stage that are wonderful. Now, the, the data shows that it is women in their 20s and 30s and 40s who are the most depressed and women in their 50s, 60s and 70s who have the least depression and moreover, from a huge study done by uh, Gina, 
think it's Gina Ogden, this famous ISIS study integrating sexuality and spirituality. And she was a PhD, uh, sex, sex teacher, um, sexology, whatever, at Harvard. And she did the largest sex study ever, way beyond what Kinsey ever did. And she found that it's women in their 60s and 70s having the best sex of their lives. And that's, mm. you see, this is what you never hear. Never. You never hear that. The other thing you hear is that all men want women who are 20 years younger. And that's not true either. So we're in a time of great reinvention now. And uh, the work of Mario Martinez influenced me a great deal for when I wrote another book called Goddesses Never Age. And he studied 700 healthy centenarians all over the world. And he found that all of them practiced the causes of health, that uh, age didn't matter. You ask them, uh, when's the last time you saw the doctor? And they'll say, all my doctors are dead. Mm -hmm. um, you know, or you, um, he said, they're very boundaried about their time. I'd like to interview you uh, tomorrow. No, I'm sorry, that's my tango lesson. Uh, they all live in subcultures of wellness. So you bring that in, in an increasingly toxic world. Okay. One needs to question, why is the world so toxic? Why is the air polluted? Why is the water polluted? Why is there fluoride in the water? What are we doing? Why are we allowing GMO crops? Why are we allowing uh, you know EMF fields from 5G and all the rest of it? And that's a rabbit hole that we're not going to go down here. But here's what I say to people. Now we have to go a little spiritual. Um, you came to be on the planet at this particular time in a human body for the experience of being in a human body at this particular time. And we are made in the image of God and we have the ability to stay healthy and resist almost anything when we take care of ourselves, when we stay joyful, where we look for things that are fun and interesting, you literally have to draw yourself back from the abyss of the troubles talk that women do, right? Oh my God, you know, oh, I call it the organ recital. I sometimes hear these people at restaurants next to me. Oh, I went to the doctor and this is when, this is the drug I'm on and now I need to be on. It's like, oh, please. This is the most boring conversation you could ever have. But so many people just have that organ recital conversation after the age of 50. And you know, now at this particular time when we're, when we're talking about this, the only conversation now is, have you had this injection? Which kind did you have? It's like, oh my God, when did one's medical history and behavior become a source of something that you put on uh, social media. I mean, this is insane. And before we continue, I want to thank you once again, my wonderful sponsors, UnikeyHealth.com, the home of all my formulations, including BioBuilder, MagKey, and Super GI Cleanse, as well as CS-Health.com, the home of the only official activated sulforaphane products for internal and external body and beauty care. Thank you so much, my wonderful sponsors. So you need to, so what you, what you do is you say to yourself, none of this applies to me. 
And yes, if you have hot flashes and if you have a vaginal dryness, there's all kinds, you don't need to live with that stuff. And the other thing that I see women doing is um, deciding that they are going to now live their best lives and they are not going to become, you know, I used to laugh. I, I used to laugh and I would say, okay, I have become a caricature. I have become a single middle-aged woman living alone with cats, you know? And then I would laugh at that because that's the stereotype, but it's not really who anyone is. We're, we're immortal beings, you know, currently in a, um, in a physical body. And if you take that attitude and you understand the profundity of the mind-body connection, and then if you understand the difference between biologic age and um, chronologic, yeah, chronologic, the age on your driver's license, you know, you can get younger every year. You know, I have one of these um, whippy ding scales, you know, um, bathroom scales that shows body fat and percentage of water and percentage of, you know, and my metabolic age on that thing is 29. So, uh, and I also, by the way, I do not pay attention when I go into a gym all the algorithms that are in the aerobics machines, you know, put in your age, put in your weight. I just put in the age 40. I have for years. I just put in the age of 40. I don't want the idea of inevitable decline with age. I don't want that to be uh, what I'm looking for. Uh, so I'm currently doing a, a lot of weight training with a, with a personal trainer. And also, and this is important for all women, I'm working on my squats. Now the squat will actually increase the tone of the pelvic floor. Do you know the number one reason why a woman gets put into a nursing home is urinary incontinence when the mm. family can't take care of her anymore. And so many women lose their pelvic floor tone because they're sitting all the time their pelvis, the behind, your buttocks, your behind should go behind you. Women are taught to tuck their tail under. And what you want the pubic bone to be underneath you, supporting the pelvic organs. And the best possible exercise that you can do is squats. And then you've got to actually, uh, you've got to make yourself go down a little lower than you're comfortable with because the body is very plastic and it's very forgiving. And if you just ask it for a little more, you will find that you can get a good squat back that you maybe thought you had lost. At least, uh, you know, I thought that I had lost it, but then I started to work with this and realized, oh, okay, this is just about training. Mm -hmm. This is just about getting your you know, your joints where they should be and, and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, this business about at a certain age, you know, I'm too old to whatever. Like I learned Argentine tango um, after menopause and after my divorce because I'd always wanted to learn how to dance. And I, I have to tell you, that was more confronting and harder for me than med school and residency. Mm -hmm. Because I walked in, you know, and I said, and nobody cared. 
that I had written a New York Times bestseller or been on Oprah. Nobody cared. All they cared about is, do you know how to dance? And I didn't. <laughs> and there were too many women and not enough men. Um, standard. And uh, But I learned and I developed this wonderful relationship with the whole local tango community and went to Buenos Aires and, you know, all the stuff that you say to yourself, you know, I'm too old to do this. Um, you just do it anyway, traveling on your own, driving at night, you know, all the stuff that women kind of shut down and don't do. You've got to keep learning and growing because we know that the brain continues to make new connections. We, we get new cells in the hippocampus, the memory area. Um, we know that that continues to grow and change. There's a very famous study of London cab drivers. And in order to get their certificate, they have to memorize all the streets. They can't just sit there with a GPS. They have to know them. And they've done studies on their brains, functional MRIs on their brains over a two year period. And they get this huge increase in, uh, I think it's the hippocampus. It might be one of the parietal lobes, but anyhow, all that to say, we can continue to grow and change. And I recently uh, wanted to get back to playing the harp. I hadn't played for 20 years. I played in the Dartmouth Symphony during med school. And the big gold harp was really hard to carry around. So I got a small Irish harp. And you know, now I'm actually learning music. I learned in the past how to read music, how to you know, be classically trained. It's totally different to learn chords and learn how to make music. So I'm doing that now and it's bringing me enormous pleasure because that here's the other thing that you find after menopause, there's this whole new world of creativity if, if you are lucky enough to not be taking care of elderly parents or children who've moved back home and all of that stuff happens. But on the other hand, most of us, have proved ourselves in the outer world. We know how to you know, work uh, finances and all of that. Though I, I must say, I had a lot to learn about finances right after menopause. I didn't know that a divorce was a lawsuit and uh, didn't know the difference between a plaintiff and a defendant, believe it or not. So I had to watch Law and Order for a while. <laughs> anyway, and then I, you know, I became financially literate reading the stuff of Robert Kiyosaki, Rich, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and started to see myself as a business. And that all, by the way, the, the pelvis, the ovaries, the second chakra, the uterus, the pelvis, that's all second chakra, money, sex, and power. And so I had to shore up that area of my body at menopause. So, and, and pretty much everyone does, you know, everyone has to reinvent themselves and growth is very often not fun. It's like doing squats. And at first it's so freaking uncomfortable and then you get better and better and better. So I do 30 a day. <laughs> 30 a day with a trainer. No, on my own, he's taught me to do this thing called, he calls it jungle 30. This is hilarious. So it's 30 push-ups, 30 sit-ups, 30 squats, but you divide it into sets of 10. And you can start the push-ups, you know, um, on your knees if you want to, or what I do is uh, I use the edge of the bathtub. Um, and uh, so I can get everything done easily right in my bathroom. 
And then we use that as a warm up before an actual workout. I love that. Tell me about your spiritual practices. Well, my spiritual practices are a kind of a a 24-7 understanding that I chose this time. I, I actually, one of my favorite books on the planet is, uh, um, God, what is it called? It's that wonderful book by uh, Barbara Marciniak uh, about the Pleiades. Yes. And, you know, and I absolutely believe that certain of us are renegade starseeds from the Pleiades and we are renegade systems busters and we came here to be here at this particular time. We're usually black sheep of our families. We don't fit in. Uh, and right now at this very now moment, we're finding each other all over the planet um, because we tend to see the truth that others don't see. And it's been miraculous. 2020 has been a miraculous year for me finding like-minded people all over the planet. I do a lot of work with um, divine love as a power source. So the way <laughs> that I do that is um, I've taught, was taught this by Robert Fritchie, worldserviceinstitute.org. All this stuff is right on the website. Um, but you put your hands together and then you say a petition which goes like this. With my spirit and the help of the loving angels of the light, I focus divine love throughout my system. So think about it. I use my will. I focus divine love throughout my system. I acknowledge the current situation of dark to light on planet Earth and the wake up of the masses here on planet Earth. And I ask that I be divinely guided and divinely protected with divine love according to the creator's will. And then you take a breath in through your nose, you hold it, you pulse it out through your nose, and then you unclasp your hands, and then you just sit and feel the current going through your body. Now you can do this for any, a headache, you can do it for a fibroid, you can do it for a relationship, anything like that. Um, my other spiritual practice for many, many years was doing dream work with Doris E. Cohen, Dr. Doris E. Cohen. And she taught me this magic garden exercise where you go back to heal the inner child that got stuck at a certain point. And that's the seven steps of rebirth. Everyone can find that at uh, Dr. Doris E. Cohen, drdorisecohen.com. And I found that to be profound to do that magic garden exercise, because as she points out, as a clinical psychologist, um, there's very often an unhealed part of ourselves, mm -hmm. Eckhart calls it the pain body, that is running our endocrine, immune, and central nervous system. You can't talk yourself out of that. That's just mm -hmm. what's happened, because you've got to go back and be the parent you never had. And we have, and we all have the ability to do that, which is, and it's very simple and it's very profound. So is there another book in store for you after the re-release of this book? If there is, it will be, how do you move from three dimensions to five dimensions? How do you, with everything crashing down around you, you know how people are saying, well, you know, I, 
I just want to get back to normal. What I want them to know is there is no getting back to normal. What you've known in the past is over. And so what I'm saying is we go from the old normal to the new magnificence. How do you get there? And it's not about pretending that the dark doesn't exist. It's not about pretending that there aren't um, some very powerful dark forces on the planet that have been controlling humanity. When you are stuck in a bubble where you think that all of that is craziness, then you don't have the power that you get by seeing how it all works, by seeing the manipulation. Now, I've been in the medical field for many, many, many years, and I knew about the Flexner Report from way back in the 1920s that invented the word quack and then went after all the naturopathic medical schools, the herbalists, the acupuncturists, you know, the uh, osteopathic, the chiropractic, anything natural, the Flexner Report went after. And so uh, standard ortho, um, standard allopathic medicine became the standard. And anybody who didn't have an MD degree was seen as less than. Well, I have an MD degree. I am board certified in OBGYN. I was a clinical assistant professor of OBGYN for many, many years. But I always knew that there was a missing piece to what we were taught. The healing is way more than drugs and surgery and getting a prescription. And I believe we've come to the end of that allopathic path. It is amazing for multiple trauma. It is amazing for when you're at death's door, but it's absolutely no way to live. And so I, I believe that the, there will be something that I write, but uh, at this point, I'm in a nine year numerologically. So I'm just kind of, um, I'm just cleaning up the past and putting a bow on it. It's like a, like a stack of love letters from a past love and you're stacking them and you're putting a pink ribbon on them and you're gonna put them in a trunk in the attic. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a wonderful note to conclude. And I wanna thank you for being such a wonderful source of growth, freedom, joy, and balance. As someone once said, you're a rebel rock star and authority on what can go right with a female body. <laughs> you have been acknowledged by Oprah. You've been acknowledged by the Watkins Spiritual 100. Reader's Digest cited you many years ago. So I think you're an extraordinary voice for everything that can go right in the human body. And my hope is that your healing leadership will continue to shine, leaving all of us an extraordinary body of work to celebrate with grateful hearts. Thank you. Thank you so much. Many blessings. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to one more episode of First Lady of Nutrition. Shalom, shalom. Be well, be healthy, be safe. I love you. And please don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.